From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Joining me today, Seth Barron. Hi, Seth. Hi, Pat. I'm great, except I'm a little disappointed in uh, former mayor Mike Bloomberg. With the stabbing and really? yeah, well, he, yeah, he he uh, he did something that does not come easily or uh, often for him, at least, and for billionaires in general. That was apologize. Stop and frisk was something he was obviously criticized for during his uh, administration. In fact. Yeah, criticized basically for all 12 years of of his administration, and then the six years since his administration ended. And And he... But it's funny now he he feels remorseful uh, uh, in connection with his presidential run. Well, apparently, yes. Yeah. So he went to a uh, church in Brooklyn today and said he was sorry for uh, stop, question, and frisk, which impacted negatively impacted and disproportionately impacted the black community. Yeah, he says. Uh, yeah, the church that he went to is the Christian Cultural Center, a Mac, a black mega church in Brooklyn. And I believe that's the same place that he went to to defend the practice a few years ago. Oh, is that so? I believe Great. so, yeah. You know, it doesn't have his statement incomplete, which I would be interested in, in knowing, but uh, he does, he is quoted as saying, I was wrong and I am sorry. Okay, well, it, you know, it's good that it does it, that it, he hasn't announced his run for the presidency yet, because otherwise this might smack of political opportunism. Right, yeah. It's, it's, it's clearly, a, a, this is a time when it just comes from the heart. Um, I mean, the funny thing about stop, question, and frisk, it, it unquestionably disproportionately affected black people. Definitely. In terms, in terms of their population. Yeah, in terms of uh, but yeah, helping them survive. N- not in terms of <laughs> who commits crime. 98% of all shootings in New York City are committed by black and Latino people. 98%? Yeah, I mean, that's just a fact. Uh-huh. So if you're trying to get guns off the street, it would make sense to go where the crime is. Now, here's the th- and and I do agree because most of these things would happen, in, in, I guess, in projects or you know where there's concentrations of of crime and uh, high crime areas. There would be no reason to stop and frisk people on the Upper East Side uh, in, or I'm, I'm trying to uh, Tudor City. You know, you're not going to sure. go pat people down in Turtle well, Bay. Also, you know, they weren't stopping and frisking people for absolutely no reason. I mean, they had to have like some indication that something was up. They didn't have like ro- like massive like roadblocks where they stopped everybody. Theoretically, but um, they did actually after a certain point. You know, when crime, I think there's a tipping point. You know, Ray Kelly was around for all 12 years of Bloomberg, so whenever crime had come down to a certain point, they kept the stop and frisk high. The levels were high. Uh, it was. Uh, a quota, an unofficial, it was part of their monthly, like, you know, they would be checked. How come you only did two, another guy maybe did ten? They wouldn't always have time to do them, but they, it definitely reflected on them. So my understanding from the people that I've talked to, this police source, is, is, is that sometimes what they would have to do is sort of, um, they would they would maybe just say, hey, what are you guys doing? And if they recognize, because, you know, they get to know uh, people on the street who are criminals, and they just ask them, and then they can write it up in, a, I think it's, a, I, I forget the number, a 250 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, right? I know what you're But anyway, uh, yeah, and so they write it up, and and, the, and it's recorded. And that was, that's why the numbers are somewhat inflated. Right. If they said 500,000, it might have only been 400,000. That's I've a lot. This. I've yeah. heard this. So, so you, I mean, just to make, to make everybody aware. Now, the thing is, all right, murder 
Murders went down by 50% under Bloomberg. Right, so let's say uh, there were maybe 700 murders a year at the beginning of his tenure. Mm -hmm. And only 350 a year at the end. Sounds about right. Um, So, you know, on average, what's the... I mean, so so what are we talking about? Like maybe three or 4,000 people who weren't killed. Most of whom were black or Latino. So essentially he's saying, I'm sorry that I did this and saved 3,000 lives. Yeah. I wish I really if I known now that this was going to make you so mad, I would have made ensured that those extra three thousand people a year were killed. Yeah, and and he did emphasize that that was his goal was to save lives. Did he? Yeah, he he did in his speech, uh, and uh, of course. It says at the program's peak, uh, the racial disparities and its enforcement were jarring. Of five hundred seventy-five stops. Conducted in 2009. 575,000 stops. Is that, oh, I, yeah, excuse me. Of 575,000 stops conducted in 2009, black and Latino people were nine times as likely as white people to be targeted by the police. Even though once stopped, they were no more likely to actually be arrested. And in 2011, officers uh, stopped and questioned about 685,000 New Yorkers, 87% of those stopped were black and latino now at the time bloomberg would say things like look i mean i i remember this very clearly because i thought it was so unusual for a politician to, to speak his mind and to stand on the numbers uh but that's exactly what he did he said you know according to the numbers if we search you know uh, that would mean 13 percent were white and not black and latino and if 13 percent of the crime it's less than 13 percent of the crimes are committed by whites then we're actually searching too many whites, right. stopping too many whites. Yeah, no, it's true. And that what a thing! To, I, it's unbelievable now, and at this stage, to imagine a mayor saying. And that. when they say, even though once stopped, the black and Latin, blacks and Latinos were no more likely to be arrested than the white people, well, that indicates that they were doing that they were doing it the right way, that they were targeting people on the basis of the belief that they had committed crimes. Mm-hmm. Like, they were targeting white people. They were stopping and frisking white people. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. Under the assumption that there was something going on. Right. I mean, that's the whole idea, isn't it? Uh, here's the quote that I, that I read. O- over time, and this is from his speech, over time I've come to understand something that I long struggled to admit to myself. I got something important wrong. I got something important really wrong. I didn't understand back then the full impact that that stops were having on the black and Latino communities. I was totally focused on saving lives, but as we know, good intentions aren't good enough. Oh, okay. So he shouldn't have been focused on saving lives and let the murder rate stay high. Well, what I think is great is like, look at what kind of, I don't know what he expected the response to be from this speech. I assume he figured he would get a lot of like congratulations and applause and a sense from black America that he should be the president. Probably hope for that, yeah. But I don't think that's what he's gotten. Uh, Jumani Williams, who's long been a critic of uh, former Mayor Bloomberg, Jumani Williams is currently the public advocate. Yes. Here's his response. Uh, Forgive many of us for questioning apologies a decade, decade late and on the eve of a presidential run. It is not nearly enough to erase the legacy of the systemic abuses of stop, question, and frisk on the people whose lives were harmed by over-policing, nor the cr- communities criminalized by it. All right, blah, blah, blah. So he just goes on these. Stop and frisk was one of many ideas 
uh, pursued by the Bloomberg administration, which had a detrimental effect on lower-income New Yorkers. So, I mean, Bloomberg, to my eye, here's what he's done. I, I see this as like a reverse sister-soldier moment. Like in 1992, Bill Clinton, you know, he was on a dais with Jesse Jackson and all these other people. And I don't know if Sister Soldier was there, but he condemned Sister Soldier for her remarks about, let's go kill white people instead of killing so many black, instead of killing each other, let's kill some white people for a change. Wow, that was 92. Yeah, and Bill Clinton said, hey, I don't think that's the right kind of thing to say. I condemn that. And everybody got, and it was like, oh, he's willing to stand up to Jesse Jackson and this whole crew of like race baiters and like kill whitey types. Yeah. And that, you know, helped him politically. Yeah. Now, you know, I guess maybe, and, and you know, he, he, he remained pretty popular among, among black people, for, even uh, despite that, or maybe because of it. And he, I think it, it, yeah, more like that. So basically, in today's context, near 30 years later, Bloomberg's primary appeal, I would think, was that he was going to be one of the moderates, that he was going to be like a tough on crime liberal Democrat who isn't going to like knuckle under to the Colin Kaepernick's and the Linda Sarsour's of the world. Mm hmm. But stand up and show that he he's got like guts and the courage of his convictions, and he's willing to run on his record, which is actually not a bad record. Uh, but this is this is what's so comic, comical is that now he's reversed it, and he's just bared his soft throat to the wolves. Yeah, they're gonna come. They're gonna like rip him apart. They're gonna kick him in the gut, and he's just basically burned down his torched his entire legacy this was like the the silliest thing to do i yeah. don't know who advised him to do this it was the dumbest thing if you know what would have been impressive if he'd gone to the ccc what is this place called the, oh the uh, christian cultural center if he'd gone there and said yeah i did stop question and frisk and i wish i'd done it more we could have saved more lives that would have been a courageous thing to do. That would have been courageous. He yeah. would have been like, whoa. And it would have been consistent. And it would have been more in keeping with somebody that you want to be president. You know, even George W. Bush scored points for saying, you might not like what I say, but at least you know where I stand. Right. But Bloomberg's a billionaire and multi-billionaires. He has so much money. I mean, I don't know, $35 billion. Like $50 or billion. He has a lot of money. So, like, a lot of times a guy like that is not really going to... You know, they, they sort of think like a billionaire, yeah. uh, but this is uh, you, you mentioned his advice. And I don't know who it was either. Either it was just those close to Mr. Bloomberg uh, have told him bluntly that running for president without addressing the stop and frisk matter first was a non starter. It says this issue is a threshold issue. Uh, and this is the mayor of Columbia, South Carolina, who came to the church service and had dinner with Bloomberg several weeks ago where the topic came up. Stop and frisk. Mr. Benjamin said he'd urged. Bloomberg to run in 2020. I'm a big believer that there is strength and humility and genuine contrition. Realizing and articulating you got something wrong. Now, he has been so consistently behind it. I guess, you know, without knowing the exact wording of what he said, he might have just said, you know, looking back, I could have backed off it a little bit sooner uh, than I did. I mean, because Ray Kelly is who he delegated the policing to. And Ray Kelly did an amazing job, but Ray Kelly was a career cop, you know, started in the 60s. And it's possible that, you know, he 
kept the quota thing going a little longer than he could have. This is from PBA President Patrick Lynch. He said Mayor Bloomberg could have saved himself this apology if he had just listened to the police officers on the street. We said in the early 2000s that the quota-driven emphasis on street stops was polluting the relationship between cops and our communities. His administration's misguided policy inspired an anti-police movement that has made cops the target of hatred and violence, stripped away many of the tools we had used to keep New Yorkers safe. The apology is too little too late, even him. (laughs) But for different reasons. But stunning, really, to hear Patrick Lynch. It's uh, It's great. What do you think of that? I mean, I guess it's uh, It's kind of funny. Kind of legit. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I wasn't really aware that Pat Lynch... I don't recall him being a big critic of stop and frisk at the time, but maybe maybe I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> well, not vocally, but I guess I guess his point was that, you know, the rank and file officers had always said, like, look, you know, this is unreasonable. And here's the other thing. Like you said, like I said, and you said you'd heard before, they weren't all carried out. But, you know, people say, like, just there wasn't an arrest in, you know, a, very many of the cases necessarily, but it wasn't always for that. Uh, for instance, I, I was told of one situation by a police source that they had stopped a guy about an hour before a robbery took place. Mm-hmm. So they had him in the area of the robbery. They knew him. And so they were able to solve the robbery by going to, to this guy, you know, because they figured he would know what was going on. And uh-huh. sure enough, so they got to close a case, uh, you know, because of that. That has value, too, you know, and that's obviously something they've sort of lost that now because Shira Scheinland, the judge who, you know, really agitated to get this case because she was against this, uh, this practice. It's not a policy, but a practice. And she, she did some ruling on it. Now, you know, de Blasio's part in that once she made the ruling, she was taken off the case. Uh, she was, you know, prejudiced by her, you know, by even trying to get a case, uh, right. a particular thing that's not supposed to be done. So, as the appeal was moving forward, de Blasio got elected. He drops the appeal, and now everything she said just stands. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's how it got to be, quote-unquote, unconstitutional, the NYPD's employment of that practice. But it is but it is definitely constitutional, according to the Supreme Court, to stop question of risk. No, it's constitutional. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, you know, so here we are. Uh, now de Blasio can feel vindicated. Yeah. And, you know, look, it's true. Crime continues to go down in New York City, supposedly. At least murders are, have been have gone down, um, though this year shootings are beginning to creep up. But, you know, as it said, there's a lot of ruin in a city. Um, it takes a while to destroy uh, order. Yeah. And there's, there's other things that have happened. You know, uh, the economy's been very strong, and unemployment is relatively low. Mm-hmm. So... It's been, um, you know, which tends to keep, you know, desperate acts of crime, like, lower. Right, because that's one contributing factor. Um, We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, the lawlessness we talk about, do you believe that that is largely quality of life crimes that that give the city the the appearance of being a little more chaotic? I mean, so many homeless people, it gets grosser. But I, I just have such a hard time believing that no, that, I mean, like you said, shootings are creeping up, but that crime isn't like uh, actually statistically beginning to, to show a difference, you know? You know, a lot of people say that <clears throat> the numbers of, um, look, if, 
it on a certain level it doesn't make that much sense that shootings and killings would be creeping up and everything else is going down um to me shootings and killings are lagging indicators so we we really oh, should see. see like assaults and other things going up and you know what p- some people say is that well there essentially is like a department-wide suppression going on where yeah. crimes are uh, either like, you know, reported down, like charges, like, you know, so like an assault, a felony assault is registered as a misdemeanor or something or like just a violation or just, you know, harassment, things like that. And, and a lot of these things are on the line anyway. And a lot of these things also may not get reported, but... But since these crimes are part of the deal they're creeping up uh, yeah i know a certain amount of that goes on but there's really no way for us to tell true crime stats are hard to find they are hard to find and really only murders and shootings you know those are considered sort of like the the gold standard uh and they are they are starting to go up um you know we had this interesting well, uh yeah i was just gonna say enforcement we were yeah <laughs> enforcement of uh, of of any law now is sort of beginning to be difficult for the police to do, uh, as as we saw with the uh, the churro ladies arrest, uh, not arrest, but she was given a summons, and uh, the world started breaking the balls of the police. The ladies selling Mexican donuts yeah. underground. Here's what happened. So last Sunday, um, the police were trying to basically ticket this lady who was selling churros in the Broadway Junction. Uh, subway stop. Yes. And she was doing it uh, right outside a transit police precinct, like which is in the subway. Yeah. So she's standing there in the mezzanine, kind of openly selling these churros. Now, if you're not from New York, you might not be familiar with these ladies who walk around with carts with piles of this extruded dough that's been deep fried in trans fats it looks like breadsticks look like sort of long breadsticks that are kind of uh how would you say they look like um you know with those play-doh things where there's like a star shape that you can (laughs) they look like they kind of have like um yeah they look like they're made in the fun factory they're sort of beveled or something yes yeah you're right yeah beveled is a good (laughs) word and they are wholesaled by some industrial bakery these are not products that the ladies are cooking by themselves in their home kitchen with a rolling pin with a rolling pin no 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 they and then they send them out with like a shopping cart and a tray with stacks of these things as well as little bags of dried candied orange peel is the best i can figure out what it is um a mexican bakery is never the best bakery they tend not to be even in mexico it's a popular thing. No, but actually, really? just a side thing, like in Mexico City, like there's a lot of like, I guess, paneterias or pan- whatever, these bakeries. And they're, I guess, because there used to be this big French involvement in Mexico, mm. like when Napoleon's brother was the emperor or whatever. Uh-huh. So they kind of have this thing for um, French style bakeries. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, it's funny. But and they're the better of the oh, no, between. No, no, they're, they're not no, very, no better they're than not that. You know, Italian bakeries are bad too. They get the chocolate chip cookie with the chips right on top of the yeah, cookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. anyway. Um. So anyway, these churro ladies, you see them all over the place, and here's the thing: you're not allowed to sell anything in the subways, and there's good reason for that. Yes, especially food. Especially food, but subways are very crowded. They are really dirty. Uh-huh. Uh, they're underground, as you well know, mostly. And it's just not considered the place for vending. 
So the the MTA (laughs) just bans all vending. But naturally enough, people who illegally sell things, you know, they like to go down into the subway to do it because you've got- People standing around. People standing around. You've got thousands of people rushing through. Presumably some of them might be hungry. Now that I think about it, it's actually one of the few places in New York where people will be standing still- for you know a given period of time and then another group will come and stand still right. for it exactly so, so it's a lot of turnover it's a captive audience and with a lot of turnover so that's why you have guys that's why you have a lot of panhandling on the subway that's why you have people getting onto the trains and um doing uh somersaults on the bars um and demanding money for it well they do that because it's showtime well that's because it's showtime sure Anyhow, so this lady was being sort of rousted out of the subway, and this... That makes it sound as if they they each have her by, you know... No, no, sub- no they, they really they, don't. They, they, they were asking her to leave. They were asking her to leave, and they were trying to confiscate her tray of donuts, and she was resisting. She was saying, no, no. So some woman who was walking by, like an actress, huh. I think she's probably in her mid-20s, started videotaping it with her phone, videoing, filming it with her phone, and saying... Why are you bothering her? Why don't you leave her alone? She's not doing anything. Leave her alone. Yes. That's, Why are you it, bothering her? And by the way, always helpful to do that. Yeah, always. Yeah. What's going on? Why are you taking her shit away? Why are you taking her shit away? Y'all, she's crying. You're taking her shit away? She's crying. Can you just like let her keep her stuff? Why? Can you just back up for right now? What's she doing? So this woman put on Twitter, she's like, well, apparently you're not allowed to sell things in the subway. This is where I kind of get a little bit annoyed by citizen journalism because there's no base. There's no context. She doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. She came upon a scene of some cops talking to an old lady. She's not even that old. This lady. And so she assumes that this is like the Rodney King video. Yeah. She's that she's captured. No, okay. And, then and it she turned literally out, does say, apparently it's illegal to. Yeah, yeah, it is. Right, it is. So then it turned out that the same woman has been ticketed ten times in six months by the police in that exact in same that spot. Same spot. <laughs> so what are they supposed to do? Um, what I really liked about this was it immediately. This video immediately went viral, and every politician in the city, and some national politicians like Julian Castro. Jumani Williams, Corey Johnson, Scott Stringer, all the local uh, electeds, state senators, everybody jumped in and was like, this is outrageous. This is abuse. This is criminalizing poverty. Why are they brutalizing this woman? Now, they didn't brutalize her. They, in fact, they didn't even arrest her. No, they did briefly handcuff they her. They handcuffed her. And I think they took her into the station and she got a desk appearance ticket, I believe. Um, like she has 10 times before. Right. And they basically took her churros away. Uh, <laughs> which, which is what you do. Yeah. So this is what Especially you do. if she won't leave. She won't leave. If she would have left immediately, it might have been different. And let me just say, when they say she's crying, she's crying the way that like, have you ever seen like a gypsy beggar sit there with oh, like, oh, <laughs> like fake crying? Right. I didn't see any tears. <laughs> and the woman bullshit. like is very interesting. Like when the actor starts talking, mm, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, here's... But let me just say, the only person who said anything that made any sense about mm-hmm. that... Was the, the, one of the most unlikely people to do so. Bill de Blasio <laughs> said, look, I saw the video. What the cops did was right. I have to agree with you. This woman had no business being there. They told her to leave. She has to leave. So I was like, wow, de Blasio's kind of like showing some common sense. Yeah. 
Of yeah. course, then the next day he said, well, the MTA should really have a place, a way for people to, to make a living. Oh, I see. Now, I didn't the thing, know. The other thing is, in New York City, okay, it's true there's not a lot of um, legal, there's a lot of illegal vending that goes on. Plenty. On the streets. Yeah. Now, on the streets is one thing, and it's basically largely unpoliced. Like, they let people pretty much get away with whatever they want up there. Yeah, and it's certainly legal to sell things that aren't food. Well... Largely if you're selling books or art, shit like that. Books is printed matter, and they won a Supreme Court decision that said that stuff like that you can sell for First Amendment reasons. Yes. and I Not think, everywhere, but in most places. Right, right, right. Uh, but you see people selling all kinds of stuff. You see people on Fifth Avenue... Like putting out a blanket with a bunch of like yeah, illegal yeah. <laughs> no. like knockoff bags on it that doesn't fall under expression that or anything. That doesn't fall under uh, printed matter. Can't imagine why. Those, it's, even that's those great. guys don't necessarily get arrested very often. I've never seen them even be bothered. I mean, they they do have it sort of set up so they can scoop it up quick and leave. So they at least be uh, somewhat concerned. Is, you have to to sell food. You have to have a health department license. Of course. Um. You know, for instance, in New York City, I don't, I don't know if it's like this everywhere, you have to have plastic gloves on when you're handling food. And every time you handle money, you have to change your gloves. Yeah. So you take your gloves off. I mean, they're constantly putting on putting on and taking off gloves, you know, which seems like kind of a drag. I don't think this lady time. is doing that. No. I doubt she's e e even aware of any such regulation. Uh well, she doesn't get inspected. So, like, with the, along with, you know, like right. you said, the health department, they don't just check you out once. They come back at random. And in these normal restaurants, brick-and-mortar places, they really go over you with a fine-tooth comb. And they will – it's a fucking uh, – you know, it's it's a racket. They just – they'll hit you for thousands of dollars of violations. You know, this lady doesn't have thousands of dollars in her business even, you know. So, like, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of an unfair deal because some of them may be selling churros. You know, it, it creates sure. a situation where you're, you know, you're not being fair. It's a hundred, hundred grand or something to get a vendor's license. Well, technically speaking, it's only two hundred fifty dollars to get a vendor's license. However, they only are, they, there's only a few thousand of them. Oh, so they they get sold. They, there's like a big black market in vendor's license. Oh, I see. Now, okay. a disabled veteran is allowed to vend virtually anything. Okay, but he has to be there, and so there's all these things where like these. These these food trucks around Columbus Circle, for instance, the guy, the actual holder of the permit has to be nearby. So he's just sitting in his car and like he rents it out to some immigrant or whatever who's running the food cart. It's it's kind of like a racket. Yeah. Look, maybe they should expand the number of vending licenses. That, okay, I mean, fine. Yeah, I but wouldn't you know mind. who's opposed to the it? The people who have restaurants. The people who have restaurants, yeah. yeah. So, you know. Well, yeah, you give something up for everything you gain. It, my problem with it is the emotionality of it. Like, she's crying. What's going on? I'm sorry, she's crying. Why are you taking her shit away? Here, here's the logic. She's an immigrant. No, she's crying. Trump hates immigrants. You're taking yeah. her shit away. She's crying. We have to protect her. Nothing she does can be policed. Yeah, I suppose this is the this is basically oh, yeah. the logic of New York City at this point, and 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 it's a logic they're largely unaware of. They they just take the action without thinking it through. Here it is. Uh, she goes. They were telling her this is a Sophia B. Newman, by the way. If you want to follow, no, I don't. Uh, they She's were Alfred E. Newman's um, niece. <laughs> They were telling her that she could either give them her churro cart and receive a fine, one that she probably wouldn't have been able to afford, 
or they would take her cart and arrest her. She kept trying to speak to one of the cops in Spanish, but the plainclothes cop kept rolling his eyes and saying things like, are you done? And I know you can speak English. Eventually, they cuffed her and unceremoniously dragged her and her cart away. I'm not sure what, if anything, could be done about this, but I felt the need to share some of the footage I captured. In retrospect, I wish I hadn't cursed so much, but my adrenaline was pumping, and I was really fucking angry. Oh, that's just funny. Right. So that and then wait, no, the next thing, no matter what the law says, there is no reason that why that many officers needed to encircle, demean, and police the poverty of that woman of, that woman of color. Now- what? This whole idea of the criminalization of poverty. It was and, an abuse of power and yet another right. example of how broken our system is. here's my point. This isn't example, an example of over-policing. This is an example of under-policing yeah. because she was allowed to do it and got 10 tickets in six months. It seems as if, yeah, maybe you could have, there is no deterrent to this? Or? Right. She doesn't pay the tickets. Certainly not. I mean, well, what she, is- she can't afford it. She's in poverty. Yeah. If if you were in poverty, if, if, if this has happened to you just 10 times in a row, you should move. Find a different place at the minimum. You know what I mean? Maybe find a way to do something find legal. Find a different line of business. Yeah, but, I mean, for crying out loud, or at least, I mean, look, it's like you said on the street, it's different. You know, the rats in the subway is ridiculous. You're not going to not bring crumbs in. You know what I mean? Like bringing in all this extra food and shit. Of course. It's not going to help with the vermin. Well, and you know what? Like people have this idea. Like, well, okay, well, why don't they set up zones for her? Why don't they set up a special zone? Okay. Well, suppose they set up a zone and- For the churro lady. For the churro. Okay, so it's just for her? Yeah. Does she have a special dispensation or is this general? Oh, I don't know. She cried, so we let her stay. Is it just for one? Now, here's the thing. Suppose a churro, another churro vendor comes and doesn't want to stand in the same zone, so leaves the zone and goes stand somewhere else. Well, are you going to arrest them or are they a poor person? And are they poor or are they immigrants? Poverty? Poverty? Yeah, an, an immigrant, sure. Okay, well, suppose someone decides that selling churros isn't actually that profitable mm. uh, and they want to bring a charcoal br- brazier or whatever down there right. and start roasting um, kebabs. Start smoking yeah, some Yeah, sure. Why uh, not? And if they're doing it, if they're an immigrant and they're in poverty and this, they're just trying to make a living, how are you going to stop them? Hey, how about this? How about if somebody wants to go down to the river um, and catch eels and bring them in a bucket to the train to the subway and offer to gut the eels for people on their way home. Or sell them all together whole or sell if they them like. Whole. Like, what's wrong with that? You've got to let the Chinese in on the scam, too, so right? So if someone's going to, like, cut up, cut off an eel's head and gut them and, like, get the, the, the eel slime all over the place, well, you know, if they're an immigrant and they're just trying... Here's the thing. They're not hurting Everybody's anybody. trying to earn a living. Yeah. Everybody, robbers, uh, purse snatchers are just trying to make a living, uh... And look, don't tell me that this has no ill effects. It does have ill effects. And it's not a victimless crime. It's not a victimless Ultimately, crime. Ultimately, I mean, because, yeah, it's it could be. And really, we're only scratching the surface on the possibilities of what could go wrong. But what, what about when people don't feel like paying for churros, you know? They steal the churros. Uh, people snatch churros off the tray. Yeah, they're just hungry. They would be, yeah, what are you doing? It's just like the 275 that they always come back to for the subway yeah. over 275 yeah 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 how let much is a say, churro me, 50 cents a dollar yeah good point uh let me just say something else um all these people the next day these like kind of like annoying hipster types mm-hmm. going on like like i told my kid about this she's in college and she hadn't heard about it and even before i finished telling her the story she's like damn those churros like got me through high school fam <laughs> 
Like, and that was exactly the attitude. Like, churros are great. Everyone loves churros. Churros are my mainstay treat on my way. Bullshit on this. Because these types of people are going to eat, like, fucking, like, disgusting fried dough churros about as quickly as they're going to eat table talk pies or they're going to eat, like, any vomitous, gross street food or packaged crap. I, I just... I just don't believe it. Nobody buys these fucking churros. I honestly, I've never seen anybody buy one. I mean, I'm sure they maybe must. some like Mexicans do or people who like like, but it's not like something that like all these like, you can cut all this if you want. All these like white liberals on, on Twitter who love like these DSA people. I just don't believe that they're out there eating churros. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And and honestly. Nor, yeah. but, nor are they out there drinking like fucking like Fanta orange soda or like. You know, doctor, they're not like guzzling a two liter of Dr. Pepper. They're not out there buying fucking churros. I just don't buy it. They're not, <laughs> the uh, What's that brand of Mexican soda? Haritos? The, yeah, like an apple Haritos. Well, maybe they'll have one of those once in a while to be like ironic or clever or something like that. But mm. it's not like they're, they're going to have like, a, oh, let's go to Dairy Queen and get a blizzard. Oh, I see what you mean. They're right. not eating this kind of junk food. Yeah, they eat a lot of kale and shit like that or whatever, I guess. Stuff that's good for you. I, my whole problem with this is just that it doesn't take any of the law into account. It's completely hysterical. And for some reason, people just co-sign it like, yeah, you're right. It seems like people so readily agree to something so stupid. Yeah. That uh, it, it, particularly her argument that she's crying. Yeah, she's crying. Right. You're taking her I mean, shit away. She's crying. What, what right. Do you so do now with that? we're at the point where Bloomberg, the law and order mayor, he would probably be like, "Yeah, the churro lady. Why are we bothering her? Yeah, I'm I guess so, so sorry. We, we, I, well, I'm, the, I set up the whole situation whereby the churro lady would be getting trouble, and I'm sorry." Yes. Um, you're very you know, right. There was a piece in the Post today. Like, uh, Bob McManus had a great thing. He's like, New York City's leaders are terrified of the city's laws. Like, they don't want to have to deal with the fact that yeah, we have laws that try to promote order. And not, and you know, so there's rules. Right, they kind of lost sight of that. It, it seems as if that's not really a factor anymore. You know what I like is how 275 when they have to pay it to get in is a lot of money, right? But 275 when they steal it and you hassle them for it is like nothing. Right. The, the value just uh, varies, I suppose, depending on whether you're stealing or paying. <laughs> All right, well, hey, uh, Seth. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. Many more stories to come on New York City Crime Report in the future. Thanks, Pat. Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report.